Happy Father's Day to all you dads. You are appreciated. Uh, wasn't that the best video, <laughs> the Father's Day video? I loved it because for months my wife has asked me, what do I want for Father's Day? And I keep telling her nothing. But the funny thing about us dads is we ask for nothing and then Father's Day comes and we're like, really, nothing? We, you didn't get us anything? <laughs> so, I, babe, I promise not to do that today. Uh, I remember one time... My dad, uh, when I was a kid, he was headed out to the garage and uh, he, he had told me that there's something living in our garage and he's gonna go, he's gonna set a trap, he's gonna, he's gonna catch it. And as a kid, ah, this is awesome, I'm excited. I feel like we're, we're living in a movie. There's some mythical beast that is living in the cave that we call a garage. So I go outside with him and I'm watching him get the trap ready. The trap is like a rectangle uh, the, the door opens and you put the bait in there. The, the animal will, will go in, take the bait, and then the, the door slams shut behind it, catching it. Uh, so I'm watching my dad set the trap. My older brother, Josh, he goes to the front of the garage. He, he looks into the darkness of the garage and he says, it's eviction day, time to pack. Uh, we end up heading back inside after my, my dad places the trap in the garage and I'm just thinking in my head, oh, I wonder what we're going to catch. It's going to be awesome. Next day I wake up, I'm downstairs. My brother, Josh, he comes bursting into the house and he says, we got something. So I, I'm excited. I run outside. I see my dad kneeling down by the trap. And as I approach him, I, I say, well, what did we catch? And he looks up at me and our eyes lock and he just has fear in his eyes. He's got this grossed out look on his face, and he says, well, it looks like we caught a possum. I'd never seen a possum before in my life. And I looked at that thing in that cage, and I was terrified. It was hissing and, and moving around, trying to get out. It, would show, it was showing its pointy little teeth. I'd never seen anything like it. It didn't look real. It looked like uh, something from a, a low-budget B-movie. And so I kind of backed away, petrified of it. I said, do not let that thing out. Just keep it in there. And I ran back inside, but I had nightmares for days because of that possum. Um, I would dream that the possum would grow larger and larger, and eventually it would just burst out of the cage. It would chase me around, and it would end up biting me. Um, but it makes me think about our, our own emotions. Sometimes these negative emotions that we have, it can feel like we, we have trapped some wild animal in our hearts, an unwanted creature that is taking up residence in our heart. An emotion that we fear is eventually going to grow so large that it will devour us whole. But for some reason, we continue to feed it. We continue to give it what it wants, making it stronger and stronger, creating a monster. You know, we trap sadness. We trap, trap fear. We trap disappointment. We trap jealousy and loneliness. We trap hate. The negative emotions begin to hiss and show their teeth, leading us to feel helpless against it. You know, this monster begins to control our thoughts, giving us sleepless nights. Eventually, the emotion, it grows so big in our hearts, it takes up almost all of the room where we have no room for anything else. The emotion, it consumes us. It even begins to control us. It keeps us from living the life that we want. 
keeps us from being the person that we want to be. It begins to affect our relationships. It begins to affect the way we see ourselves. It affects our self-worth. Have you been there? Maybe feeling controlled by negative emotions that have taken up residence in your heart. One emotion uh, that it seems like we trap a lot of times in our heart is the creature named guilt. Uh, That's a hard one, right? Guilt, it's a sneaky emotion. It will find its way into our hearts without us even noticing sometimes. But eventually we begin to feel the weight of the guilt. We begin to recognize the results of the guilt that we are allowing to occupy our hearts. And the truth about guilt is it's not just an emotional response. It's a spiritual response as well. And it begins to affect our relationship with God. That guilt, it finds its way into our hearts. And we begin to feel like God wants nothing to do with us. Uh, like we have crossed some sort of line that, that sends God somewhere else. And that guilt, as it's caged and we begin to feed it, we feed it with self-condemnation, we feed it with despair, we begin to believe that this guilt, it's our punishment to carry because of the things that we've done. This trapped creature that we've hidden in our hearts, it begins to consume us. And, and that guilt, it begins to dictate the choices we make. It begins to dictate how we respond to those people that we love. Satan, he loves to use guilt against us. He uses guilt to try and trap us in a cycle of sin and shame, feeding the creature guilt that we have caged, causing that guilt to grow more and more, creating this monster, creating this cycle that never ends. And as we allow it to grow in our hearts, inch by inch, it pushes God out of our hearts, negatively affecting our relationship with him. The the guilt, it begins to rob us of our joy and of our peace. And guilt can cause us to isolate, making us think that no one wants anything to do with us. Well, why would they? If we have this creature living inside of us, devouring us, we remove ourselves from others, thinking isolation is also a part of the punishment we have received. And as we focus more on the guilt, more than we focus on God, we allow the guilt to control us, and it leads us to anxiety. It leads us to depression. It leads us to a distorted self-image, a caged creature that is attracting more pests into our hearts. But how do we regain control of our hearts? What kind of pest control do we need in order to rid our hearts of this unwanted guilt? Because here's the truth, the guilt, it's gonna come, no question, right? It's a natural emotion to feel, but how do we deal with the guilt in a healthy way? How can God help us in that process? How can we get to the point where we do not allow the guilt to remain in our heart? How do we get rid of the creature? How do we evict the guilt and let something else move in? In the book of Buko, the remix. In the book of Luke, there's a man named Zacchaeus. He lives in this famous city called Jericho. Maybe you've heard of it. And Zacchaeus, he is a wealthy man, but this wealth has come at a great cost. Zacchaeus, he, he's a tax collector and he's not just any tax collector. He is the chief tax collector. He has all these other little minion tax collectors below him and he, he orders them around and all that stuff. But tax collectors, were, they were often Jewish people who were working for the Roman government, 
They were viewed as traitors. They were viewed as sinners by other Jewish people, not only because they worked for the Romans, but these tax collectors, they would often overcharge people, making a profit off of the extra money that they take from people. So other Jewish people, they wanted absolutely nothing to do with tax collectors. They, they were shunned. They were outcasts. And people, they did not like Zacchaeus, especially probably because he was the chief. He was the boss. And they let Zacchaeus know it. So because of his profession, Zacchaeus, he was this outcast. He was alone, not accepted by other Jewish people. But let's be clear, Zacchaeus, he was not the victim. He had, to, he had used his position to become rich and take as much as he wanted from others. But I'm sure by betraying his own people, I'm sure by doing that, by stealing from them, guilt found its way into Zacchaeus' heart. And he trapped that guilt in his heart but he continued to take as much money as he could from others. Now, hoping that acquiring more money, acquiring more power would eventually subdue the creature guilt inside of his heart. But it only made the guilt stronger, becoming a monster that began to control him, leading him to continue to do the wrong thing, stuck in that cycle of sin and shame, hoping eventually that something he finds is going to numb the pain of that guilt. Feeling like an outcast, feeling all alone. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, he yearns for something that is going to ease the guilt, something to break the cycle. He's, he's yearning for someone that could kill this monster inside of his heart. Have you been there? Uh, maybe feeling controlled by some form of guilt. Uh, you allow the guilt, the shame to start to control your actions and your choices. Uh, causing you to believe that you deserve this terrible feeling. No, which leads you down this path of sin that in hopes you, you're hoping the next thing that you do is going to numb the pain, but it never does. The path of sin, it will not quiet the creature. It only feeds it. It only causes it to grow, causing us to think that we are alone as a result, causing us to wonder, does God even want anything to do with me because of this guilt that I hold in my heart? No one else wants anything to do with me. So why would he one day the word around Jericho was that there was a man named Jesus and he was coming to town. People heard about Jesus coming and, and so they all gathered. There, a huge crowd gathered to see Jesus as he entered the city. People, they had heard of Jesus. They had heard of his teaching. They had heard of his miracles. They had heard that maybe, just maybe, he was the Messiah, the one that God had promised. Zacchaeus, he had also heard all of these things about Jesus, but Zacchaeus, he heard something else about Jesus. Zacchaeus has heard that, that maybe Jesus accepts people like him, uh, the outcasts, the sinners, the traitors, the, the tax collectors. And you can imagine the creature inside Zacchaeus' heart growling at the thought, uh, attempting to make Zacchaeus believe that Jesus would not accept him. No one else accepts him, so why would the Messiah? But what if? Zacchaeus wondered. And there was something nudging its way into Zacchaeus' heart, something that was starting to overpower the guilt, something causing Zacchaeus to take a chance. It was hope, just a small amount of hope, just a sliver of hope, but it was enough to get Zacchaeus to go out and seek Jesus. And eventually Zacchaeus, he, he goes out, he, he's looking for Jesus and he comes to this large crowd that has gathered to greet Jesus. He stares at the crowd and there's no way he's going through that crowd. 
But if you've heard the story before, you know that Zacchaeus was a short man, so he could not see over the tops of the crowd's head. But he knows that Jesus is beyond that crowd. But within that crowd, those are the people that he is wronged, that he is stolen from, that he is overcharged. So there's no way he is making his way in through that crowd. The fear that he holds, the guilt that he holds won't let him. So he finds a tree, right? He finds a tree, he runs to the tree and he starts climbing that tree like a wild man. And you can imagine the people watching Zacchaeus climb this tree. Maybe they begin to laugh, they begin to point. This was not normal behavior, especially for a wealthy Man, he, he looked like a child climbing a tree. But Zacchaeus, he did not care how undignified he looked. That sliver of hope in his heart, it was leading him to do whatever it took to see Jesus. So Zacchaeus, he climbed and climbed and, until eventually he's, he's high enough where he can get the perfect view of the crowd. He sees beyond it and beyond that crowd, he sees Jesus. And Jesus, he's making his way through the crowd. Maybe he's, he's shaking hands or touching people or saying hi, I don't know. But Zacchaeus, he sees Jesus and his heart starts to change. And eventually Jesus, he gets to a certain spot and he stops in the middle of the crowd and he looks up. Jesus' eyes, they lock with Zacchaeus's eyes. Jesus is looking right at him and, and Zacchaeus, he just kind of freezes in the tree. Now he's looking like some kind of deranged bird up there. But Zacchaeus, he, he's not used to people looking him in the eyes. He's not used to people acknowledging him. And here's what happens next. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house. I love that Jesus is inviting himself over. Jesus, he calls him down from the tree and he calls him to come to him. And Zacchaeus, he doesn't hesitate. The Bible says that he hurried down and now he is no longer afraid of the crowd. He's making his way through the crowd, trying to get to Jesus. And with the, the creature guilt still dwelling in his heart, Zacchaeus, he reaches the feet of Jesus and he just drops to his knees, Jesus, he had invited himself to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus, he accepted. Jesus, Jesus, he wasn't merely looking to preach to Zacchaeus. Jesus, he was not looking to feed Zacchaeus more guilt. Jesus was looking to start a relationship with Zacchaeus, to have a real relationship with him, beginning with a meal, beginning with spending some time together. But Zacchaeus, he had to accept Jesus' invitation. He had to welcome and receive Jesus in order for that relationship to begin. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus, he gladly did so. But all the people who were watching in the crowd, they did not like it. Here's what the Bible says. Everyone who saw this started grumbling. This man, Zacchaeus, is a sinner. And Jesus is going home to eat with him. Even in the presence of Jesus, the guilt that is trapped in Zacchaeus' heart, it begins to growl and snarl as, as he hears all of the whispers from the crowd around him, all, all the people that he has wronged, all the people that he has overcharged. But the more time Zacchaeus spent with Jesus, the more his heart began to change. And eventually Zacchaeus gets an idea. Here's what the Bible says. 
But Zacchaeus, he stood up. He said, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of what I own to those who are poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back. I will pay back four times the amount that I took. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. You are a member of Abraham's family line. The son of man came to look for the lost and save them. Zacchaeus, he had been drawn to Jesus. He was seeking out Jesus because he believed that Jesus would accept him. Jesus did more than that. Jesus, he called him by name. Jesus makes sure that Zacchaeus feels known and seen. And with a heart full of guilt and shame, Zacchaeus, he comes down from the tree and he approaches and receives Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, upon accepting Jesus's invitation, his heart it shifts, it changes towards Jesus. Zacchaeus is, is no longer only seeking Jesus, but now Zacchaeus, he is also seeking repentance. And his repentance, it leads him to want to give back what he had stolen. And in that moment of repentance, Zacchaeus, he receives forgiveness from Jesus. Jesus declaring that salvation had come to his house, no longer feeling like an outcast, no longer feeling lost, but now feeling found by Jesus. And the forgiveness that Jesus gave Zacchaeus, it was more powerful. It was more freeing than the guilt that he had trapped in his heart. And the love and forgiveness of Jesus, it allowed Zacchaeus to let out the guilt and to make more room for Jesus. And maybe you have felt like Zacchaeus at different times in your life. I know I have countless times. I've, I've had times in my life where I've carried the guilt in my heart and it's caused me to feel like an outcast, caused me to believe lies in my head that no one wanted anything to do with me, causing me to get stuck in a cycle of sin and shame. And maybe you've been there before as well, and maybe you are there today, burdened by guilt, held captive by the monster that is trapped and growing in your heart. When we have guilt trapped in our heart, growing stronger every day, we have to start the process of moving it out. And it can take time, uh, but once we start the process of moving that guilt out, it frees up space in our heart for Jesus to move in. And little by little, as we make more room for Jesus, we make more room for the grace of God. And truthfully, as we are reminded of God's grace, guilt, it does not stand a chance. Guilt, it cannot survive alongside God's grace. They cannot coexist. So what do we have to do Right? Well, what we have to do is start the eviction process for guilt. We start moving guilt out and moving more and more of God's grace in. And it all starts with Jesus. Jesus, he is our grace. He is our gift from God. Jesus, he can give us the strength and the protection that we need, but we have to shift our hearts to him. Even with guilt snarling and growling in our hearts, we have to do whatever it takes to seek out Jesus. And as we seek out Jesus, we begin to recognize this guilt that is in our hearts. And we begin to realize the damage it's causing to our lives, how it's keeping us from being who God wants us to be. So that's the first step of the process in evicting guilt. Acknowledge the guilt. We look it right in the eyes, pick up that trap and stare the monster in the eyes and we process that guilt. But sometimes acknowledging the guilt means understanding that we did do something wrong. We own it. 
And we come to terms with whatever has caused that guilt. And that's exactly what happened with Zacchaeus. There was something inside of him that was making him feel lost and unaccepted. That feeling, it drew him to Jesus. Once he acknowledged the guilt he had inside, it led him to seek out Jesus. It led him to seek the acceptance of Jesus. And Jesus, he is calling us to seek him as well. Even if our hearts are full of guilt, a monster groans so big it's devouring us. Jesus, he wants us to bring that guilt to him, to acknowledge and recognize the guilt and, and then seek out our friend Jesus to help. Jesus, he's calling us down from the tree, telling us that we can process the guilt with him. Part of having a relationship with Jesus, it's spending time with him. It's having conversations with him. So we can pray, we, we can spend time with Jesus in prayer and we can ask for him to help us with the guilt that we feel. We can ask him to help us remove that guilt. And this will lead us to a place of repentance. And that's the next step in the process of evicting guilt. We confess the guilt. And as we confess our guilt, it takes the power away from it. And we no longer hide it, which means we are no longer feeding it. We spend so much time hiding from guilt, doing whatever we have to do to, to try and numb the guilt. It only causes the guilt to grow more and more. But as we confess it and as we seek forgiveness for whatever we did that caused the guilt, we begin removing the guilt from our hearts. Those two words, I'm sorry, those two words, they can change everything when we mean them. The confession, it takes control away from the guilt, allowing us to finally let it out. And no matter what the cause of the guilt is, whether we betray God, whether we betrayed a loved one, whether we betrayed ourselves, when we confess it and release it, that's when the healing begins. And that's what Zacchaeus did in the presence of Jesus. After Jesus calls him by name, Zacchaeus' heart, it begins to change. And he knows he has to release the guilt and repent and that repentance, it, it led him to do whatever he could to right the wrongs that he had committed, to give back what he had stolen, and it even go beyond that and give to the poor as well. As we confess our wrongdoings to God in the name of Jesus, he forgives us, creating this gratitude in our hearts for the grace that we receive from him. But it starts with the confession. And then we start to feel our hearts change because this confession, those two words, when we say, I'm sorry, that is the eviction notice for guilt, which allows us to complete the eviction process, evict the guilt. And as we let the guilt out, as we release it, as we move it out of our hearts, it allows God to begin to work. No longer is our heart occupied by the creature guilt, but instead we have a heart ready to be filled with whatever God desires. It allows the grace that we receive through Jesus to move in and be at the forefront of our hearts. But we have to accept that grace. Grace is a gift, right? Just like any gift, you can refuse it, you can reject it. So we have to accept it just like Zacchaeus. We have to receive Jesus as he invites himself into our home, into our hearts. And when we welcome him gladly, we are accepting his grace. And as we accept the grace we receive from God, we begin to see that our hearts transform because of it. After evicting guilt from our heart, we have to accept God's grace and we have to let it work. 
When we believe and accept the grace we receive from God because of Jesus, it begins to do work in our heart. Jesus, he comes into our hearts and he starts to redecorate. He starts to clean up the mess that the guilt had left behind. But here's the question. What does the work of God's grace do to our heart? What what does it change? What exactly does God's grace do that will help us deal with guilt in a healthy way in the future? Part of the problem with guilt is that when we trap it in our hearts, it, it begins to direct us where we go, leading us down the path of sin and shame, causing us to hide, become anxious. But when we are reminded of God's grace, it can change how we are affected by guilt. Here's what Paul wrote in Romans. Those who belong to Christ Jesus are no, no longer under God's judgment. Because of what Christ Jesus has done, you are free. You are now controlled by the law of the Holy Spirit who gives you life. As we strive to be more like Jesus, as we follow him, it reminds us that we are forgiven. The presence of Jesus in our hearts, it reminds us that no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we mess up, no matter how many mistakes we make, God forgives us when we seek forgiveness. And fully knowing that, fully accepting the grace that God offers, when we make a mistake, we are no longer directed to guilt nor do we allow that guilt to direct us, but instead we are directed to the Holy Spirit. Because of God's grace, our heart becomes redirected to him in all circumstances, even if it involves guilt. The work of God's grace, it redirects our heart. And with our heart redirected to the Holy Spirit, we don't give guilt a foothold in our heart. We are not directed towards the things are going, that are going to harm us or, or damage us. Instead, we are directed towards what gives us life. Sometimes the, the guilt, though, it, it tries to train us not to forget. And the guilt will make us feel like a, a part of our punishment is to always remember the things that we have done wrong, the mistakes that we have made. That's, that's the, a way that the guilt takes up residence in our hearts. It, it won't let us forget. But when we are reminded of God's grace, it can change how we are affected by guilt. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. And he has given us the work of making peace between himself and others. Because of God's grace that we receive through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are made new. Not only are our sins forgiven, but they are forgotten. They are long gone in the past. As we accept God's grace, we are reminded that he does not hold anything against us. And we are filled with hope because we know that we are made new through Jesus. The work of God's grace, it renews our heart. And with our heart renewed because of Jesus, we don't give guilt a foothold in our heart. And instead, we bask in God's forgiveness which breaks the chains of guilt and shame, allowing us to move on from the mistakes we made, allowing us to have a brand new beginning. 
Guilt, it's often going to make us feel like we are constantly in harm's way. It can make us feel like we are weak and frail, like we have no protection from the bad things that happen in life. And we begin to feel like we deserve everything bad that happens to us because of our past mistakes, because of the guilt. And that's a way Satan will use our guilt against us, causing us to give in to that cycle of sin and shame. And we are reminded, but when we are reminded of God's grace, it can change how we are affected by guilt. Here's what it says in 2 Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful. He is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. We trust in the Lord. So we are sure that you are doing the things we tell you to do. And we are sure that you will keep on doing them. Don't stop doing them. May the Lord fill your hearts with God's love. May Christ give you the strength to go on. We serve a faithful God, a God who does not wish any harm to happen to us, but he wish, wishes to protect us from that harm. And because of Jesus, the grace that we receive, it can protect us from Satan's attacks. God's grace, it enables us to fight off the emotions that are attempting to take a residence in our hearts. God's grace, it becomes the pest control that we need in our hearts. And as we accept God's grace, our hearts become reinforced with what is needed to keep them strong, even if it involves guilt. The work of God's grace, it reinforces our heart. With our heart reinforced because of God's love, we do not give guilt a foothold in our heart. Instead of living in fear because of guilt and shame, we live knowing that God's grace, it provides us with the protection we need in the face of whatever struggle this, might, this life might bring. And God's grace reminds us that he is capable of anything and that he is faithful in every aspect of our lives. And that's the eviction process of guilt. We acknowledge, we confess, we evict, and we accept God's grace. We move guilt out and we make room for Jesus to move in. We make room for God to occupy every inch of our heart, allowing his grace to take control of our heart, transforming our hearts to be of use to him. Allowing God's grace to redirect, renew, and reinforce your heart will give God control of your heart. And when God is in control of your heart, it allows us to be filled with his goodness. It allows us to be filled with his grace, his love, his joy, his peace. And then it allows us to pour out that grace that we have received from him and give that same grace to others. And my prayer today is that we would leave this room, whoever's listening online, that we would leave knowing that we are known and seen by Jesus and that Jesus, he is calling us to bring whatever guilt we may have trapped in our hearts to him. He is calling us to release the guilt to allow him to move in to our hearts. He's calling us to accept his grace through the grace that we receive because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We will be redirected, we will be renewed, and we will be reinforced by the ferocious love of God. Last night, I preached this sermon uh, I got off the stage and I just was not <laughs> happy with it. I am my own worst critic. Um, and my friend Gracie, she's coming out. Everyone needs a Gracie in their life. She is just the best. But she told me I did a good job and I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it just wasn't good. Uh, I feel like there was just something missing that it just wasn't complete. 
but I, I just kind of shoved it to the side of my brain. And part of um, our tradition in, in my family is uh, on Saturday nights, once I'm done with church, I'll, I'll go to Culver's and I'll bring Culver's home for everyone to eat. My, my wife's been home most of the day with our two boys, an eight-year-old and an almost two-year-old. So she's probably going crazy. I don't want her to have to cook uh, or think, even worry about that. So I bring Culver's home. But what, uh, what I love about that is I, when, I, when I walk in the door with Culver's, I am like a superhero. Everyone's excited that dad's home. He's got Culver's. Oh my gosh, it's great. And so I, I wait in that long line last night. It's like out into the, the street. Um, but I get the Culver's, I head home and I walk through the door and something is different. I look at my son, David, who, who is sitting at the kitchen table and he's just kind of looking at me with a different look on his face. And I, immediately I know that there's something wrong. Uh-oh, did he get in trouble? What's going on? I put the Culver's down. I put my stuff down. I'm like, what's going on? And, and he kind of directs his eyes to the kitchen dining table. And on that table, it's a... Um, it's a piece of artwork that a college friend made me that is usually framed and hanging in our living room, a piece of artwork that I love. And there's no glass, there's no frame. It's all gone, it's just the paper. And so immediately I realized that he probably broke it. Um, my wife explains what happens and my son is looking at me with this look on his face. terrified of how I'm going to respond to this act that he has committed. And so right there in that moment, I have a choice. Do I feed this guilt that he is holding in his heart? Do I become part of the, the problem with the guilt that he is holding on to? Or because of the grace that God has given me, do I show him grace as well? And by the grace of God, I chose grace. And I said, David, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Just a picture, we'll, we'll, we'll get it fixed, don't worry about it. Immediately his demeanor changes, immediately his face changes and he is able to enjoy his Culver's. Um, but as I went to sleep last night, it just made me think the, the important role, that's what was missing, the important role we have in everyone's lives that have guilt trapped in their lives. As we fill our hearts with the love of Jesus, as we fill our hearts with God's grace, it allows us to show that grace to others because we have that choice. We can feed the guilt in other people's lives or we can help the eviction process and we can feed them grace so that the guilt will leave. Before um, I came up on stage, as we were singing together, uh, I, I just kind of stopped singing and I just listened to all of your voices singing at the top of your lungs, fear is not my future. And it just made me think as a church family, we gather together declaring that we will not allow fear, we will not allow guilt, no other pest control our hearts, but we will allow the grace of God to lead us and direct us because I know that I am going to do all that I can to make sure that my little boy, David, and my, his little brother are never led by guilt in their lives because that's what Jesus did for us. 
And we can live that out no matter where we go. And that is my prayer for us today, that we would leave being full of the grace of God so that we can share that grace and we can rid anyone of the guilt today. And today we can, we can either stand in front of our own hearts or, or we can stand in front of the hearts of those that we love and we t- can declare that today is eviction day. It is time to pack. It is time for guilt to move on. And it is time for us to make room for Jesus. Yeah. Right. Woo. Sorry. Um, go ahead and stand. I would love to pray for you before I, I step off stage. If you have come today and you just feel burdened by guilt, you just feel like there's this monster trapped inside of you and you would like prayer today, or if you have any other prayer request, whatever it is, we love it when you come forward and, and we would love to pray for you today. We will be down here waiting. So just come down this, during this next song. I, I think that there's a baptism. Is there a baptism? Oh, no one knows. There could be, if you feel like you would like to be baptized today, you're ready to be renewed and you would like to be baptized, just come down during this next song. The water is ready and we will baptize you today. But if you would bow with me now, I'd love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, and we declare as a church family, unified in one voice, that we are yours. We thank you for your grace. And I am so thankful for the people in this room, for the people that are listening. And we just go out today surrendering everything to you. God, we lay it all down at your feet and we pray that you would fill us with your grace so that we could give people a glimpse of Jesus. So that as we live out the grace that you give us in our lives, that they would see your love, they would see your kindness, they would see your joy and your peace that only comes from knowing you. And we just pray that we would, we would work through that eviction process, whether it's for ourselves or for those that we love, so that guilt would have no foothold in our lives, God, but only your grace would reign free, leading us and directing us. And we thank you for all that you give us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.